0: listening to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. How do we bring the Word of God and particularly the resources for instruction in the Word of God to people in their heart language. Lutheran Heritage Foundation is doing that, and it's time to check in with our friend, the Reverend Matthew Heisey, Executive Director of Lutheran Heritage Foundation, see what's going on with LHF these days. Pastor Heisey, welcome back to Faith and Family.
1: Good morning, Andy. Great to be with you
0: again. Always good to be with you. I love following LHF on Facebook and seeing the, the stories of where... This work is being done that uh, that the LHF and your partners do to bring uh, great instructional resources in the heart language of people around the world.
1: Yeah, the Facebook page uh, by our media specialist uh, Jen Bagnell and her and her daughter Anna actually is really. Uh, you need a younger person <laughs> who can really do media for you, and Anna's really helped us out quite a bit to to get some of our videos up there and and to keep the the page somewhat current.
0: What is what is the work that LHF is doing today?
1: Well, gee, let's see. We've got about 160 projects requested for 2017. Wow. We probably won't finish all of them, but hopefully most of them. Uh, and that is covering all, you know, basically the continents you're talking, the Americas, Europe, Africa, Asia, Aust- Australasia, um, you name it. And and we're covering the gamut of those books from children's Bible story books all the way up to the Book of Concord, which um, we are now issuing out in French. And uh, that's uh, naturally going to be going mostly to Central and uh, Western Africa, wow. uh, as well as Haiti.
0: Now, when you say you received requests for these projects, uh, and over 100 projects, where are those requests coming from?
1: All those continents. Uh, I, w- I would say primarily, uh, and this kind of fits uh, Philip Jenkins' um, thesis, if anybody is familiar with the, the next Christendom, which was written, I believe, in 2002, that the Christian world is gravitating towards the Southern Hemisphere, and in particular, Asia and Africa. And quite frankly, that's where we get most of our requests, to produce books for Africans, for Asians and uh, many of them unfamiliar with Lutheran theology and uh, new to the Christian faith, and you know it's very important. Then they're going to be taught by someone, and uh, since we believe we have this this, this precious gem of theology uh, bequeathed to us by Martin Luther and Lutheran fathers, I mean the the very least we can do is is share those resources with people in Africa and Asia and around the world.
0: So. Give us a paint a picture of what those resources are what are some of those resources you mentioned earlier children's um, uh, Bible lessons and, right. and prayers and, uh, and 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 in the book of Concord what are are some of the requests that you've received this year and and where are they going
1: okay well i I guess I can probably share we've we've received requests certainly for South Sudan and uh, you see that on our facebook page there' uh, uh, we One of the more complicated things is to get involved in hymnals, uh, but we have just done a, a, an Acholi hymnal, which for the Acholi language people in South Sudan. And uh, I, th- I think South Sudan, to me, is one of the more intriguing countries in the world. It's the youngest country in the world. It um, hmm. broke away from the Islamic uh, north in 2011. And uh, so it's only six years old, but in that time, although it is a predominantly Christian people. They've just been plagued by tribal warfare, now by famine. Um, It's difficult to get in there. I got in there last year to visit the Dinka people up in Bortown, and uh, it's kind of chilling to see National Geographic pictures from a year before of 100 people lying dead on the streets. Mm. And when I was there... The blue helmets of the UN were everywhere. Uh, But the people were really happy that we came. And uh, Pastor Nathaniel Bull is uh, a Dinka person, and uh, through uh, great work by uh, Russell Schumacher and folks down in Arkansas and uh, down in Alabama, uh, they've been able to help support him with some of his requests. And we are doing uh, Law and Gospel with him now. He is just completing the Child's Garden Bible stories. They've got a School there that I saw with about 300 kids, and uh, I mean the pastors who work in these churches uh, aren't really paid so much. They work their own fields, they they cultivate their crops, and um, pastor their congregations. But uh, very very hungry for the word.
0: Hmm. And you mentioned hymnals for uh, these uh, these Christians in South Sudan. You know, perhaps we take that for granted—having a hymnal in our pew right. or a hymnal in our home. Um, tell me a little bit more about why a why they have a desire
1: for hymnals. Well, um, obviously to codify, you know, at least to have. Um the books themselves, because you've got different people coming there you know and uh, and and to bring when they come in and they're usually walking to to get to these churches sometimes from far away, uh, so to have um, just their hymns there written out at least for them is really helpful, uh, especially too for new people coming into the church here and uh, the complex complicated nature of this of course is that sometimes these languages have more syllables and uh so you will have indigenous music there that kind of fits but they also want something with uh, real sound Lutheran theology. So on occasion, you know, they'll do something like the doxology and uh for example in the Zande language of South Sudan there's more syllables so you have to try and fit that in and uh it's a complicated matter. <laughs> Well, to the least. I'm
0: glad you brought that him up. Uh, the, you shared that, or your your team shared that on the Facebook page. I want to listen to the Doxology from uh, the people of South Sudan in the Zandi language. Let's take a listen. little bit about this. Well, uh, well I'm not
1: a musicologist, so, <laughs> uh, but, but you, can, you, you can tell, and even I can tell, of course, some of the differences there. Mm-hmm. And, and since they have more syllables, it will have a slightly different tone and uh, uh, a different sound than, than the doxology as we would sing it in their own language. But the theology is so rich... Um, Many of them want that, too. So it's a combination. You know, you have your your, your local hymns, uh, which I think are so important because uh, they are the hymns of the indigenous people. But they're also interested in getting some of these other hymns in there, too, and plus a liturgy. So we're able to provide them, uh, you know, when we have the opportunity. But uh, at times, we sometimes just kind of roll our eyes and say, "Oh no, a hymnal," <laughs> because it's it, it's not so simple as translating a children's Bible storybook or translating the Catechism, as important as we know it is.
0: It certainly presents its challenges, but it's too, like the Catechism or like a, a a children's Bible storybook, it 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 is it, it's such a, a great resource and, and foundational piece in teaching what we believe, teach, and confess.
1: Absolutely, and, and we're, we're helped so oftentimes by, uh, by uh, volunteers like uh, Pastor Robert Roberts from up in Saginaw Bay City area and his wife Eileen, uh, who who often will go there on their own, and they just return from South Sudan and from the refugee camps in uh, Ethiopia of the New Air people, which is down in Gambela. And, uh, I mean, they'll go over there on their own money and uh, from donations from other people in their congregation who will come and, and give them support. And then they will help teach people. Eileen was actually teaching uh, the ladies to help make stoles just this last time there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, people who are really, truly committed, and they are, you know, uh, veteran missionaries from the Philippines. And so, you know, we we have these volunteers for us that we're we're just so grateful to them for what they do.
0: Speaking of traveling, you you travel to many of the places LHF is serving and uh, tell me about some of the places you've traveled and, and what you've seen in your travels.
1: Well, uh this summer actually it's been it's been stateside. Uh the fall will be a big long distance central Asia, uh eastern central Europe, but I I think probably uh piggybacking on my African trip in April uh has been this uh This summer, in fact, tomorrow, I'm driving down to Columbus, Ohio, because the McKenna Jesus, president of the Lutheran Church there, will be uh, heading up a McKenna Jesus Reformation celebration for the next few days at uh, Prince of Peace Lutheran in Columbus, Ohio. So uh, this University of Michigan graduate, for some reason, is going to be going to Columbus, Ohio. Thankfully, I don't have Wolverines or anything on my bumper sticker, <laughs> which would probably force me to end up uh, hitching a ride home because my car would be destroyed there in Ohio State Buckeye Territory. But uh, th- that's one thing I'm going to be doing. And just uh, a few weeks ago, actually, uh, in all places of Las Vegas, the Oromo people, the second largest language group in Ethiopia, had their own mission conference. And so right now uh, we're doing an awful lot of work in Ethiopia. In fact, uh, working now in four of the many languages, Amharic is the dominant language, number two is Oromo, and then there's also Tigraya, as well as, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, as well as Hadia. And so we're we're kind of working in all these different language groups, and so being in Ethiopia in April, I had the chance to really be able to see uh the conditions and uh the challenges and what we can do to help.
0: Luther's Small Catechism is one of the the resources that l h f uh provides you know translates and provides to people. Where have you seen that um being requested, and now being well received and making a difference.
1: Well, once again, certainly in Africa, uh among the Dinka people, among the uh, the Nuwer people actually right now we are working on that in uh in the refugee camps in uh, Ethiopia, particularly the uh city of Gambella, which is in the southwest of Ethiopia. Um there are these large uh, refugee camps where people have been there, some have just grown up, uh, and many of them are refugees of uh, civil war in South Sudan, and, and they have so very little. And, and of course, when you're talking Africa, um, there is that Pentecostal theology going on, and on the one hand, many people are excited in coming into the Christian faith, but uh, on the other hand, they don't often receive solid teaching. And so there were many folks down there, some of a Pentecostal background, who said, please help teach us. So uh, we see how important it is to get the Catechism in. And from my own experiences in Russia, I recall uh, many people who came into the Lutheran Church initially after the fall of communism in the Soviet Union in 1991 uh, gravitated to the Pentecostal Church because there was energy. Um, they, were, they were excited that they were finally you know, freed from the shackles of communism. Uh, but after, you know, a couple of years, they kind of thought, eh, something isn't quite right here. And uh, they were looking for teaching and not just experience. Uh, so uh, that was actually when LHF began 25 years ago uh, in 1992, uh, when Robert Ron ended up going into the former Soviet Union. And uh, the Catechism was one of the first books. And I, I recall talking to so many people who, when I went there as a volunteer teacher, for LCMS in 1994, who, who really cut their teeth uh, on the Christian faith in the Catechism, and uh, seeing the importance of it, we're we're constantly uh, uh, reprinting it, and, and now actually in smaller booklet form with the Basic and Caridian with the six chief parts, so that they can be handed out more readily to people in Russia.
0: Any idea how many different languages the the uh, small catechism has been translated into by LHS? Right, we we've,
1: we're we're right now at about eighty and moving beyond eighty um, because, of, of course, you know we've added different ones uh, in uh, um, among the Farsi people, the Iranian speakers, uh, Dari, uh, Afghan speakers. So we're we're right now in, in many different languages. Uh, in Africa, in Ghana in particular, Tui, Bimoba, Kom, Konkomba, there are three right there, are three different languages now that are now getting their catechisms for the first time. So uh, we're, we're passing 80.
0: Who are the, the people on the ground receiving these small catechisms in those places that, that, that you just mentioned, you know, for the um, uh, there are, I think, a number of places you mentioned where the small catechism is, is being requested and being used. Who are the, the, the people on the ground? Are there missionaries? Are there local pastors? Are there local teachers Yes, who are helping with these?
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes and yes. <laughs> uh, w- of course, you know, for example, Nicholas Salafu, who got his uh, doctor ministry degree at uh, Concordia Seminary in St. Louis a couple of years ago, uh, Nicholas is, is really a great point man for us in Ghana. Uh, so sometimes it is someone there literally from that country. But also local missionaries, uh, Jacob Gaugert, for example, in Togo is often requesting uh, materials from us. And, uh, and then of course, uh, partner churches that will make the requests of, of, of uh, us and, and what we can do to help them. Hans-Jörg Vogt in uh, Germany, the bishop there, you know, I've had great conversations with him. So uh, we get those requests from um, local you know, partner churches, as well as missionaries on the field, and also then local pastors.
0: Now the small catechism and, and the children's Bible stories and, and uh, prayer books, things like that, are, are somewhat smaller. What about the more exhaustive uh, Book of Concord? That's a yeah. that's a huge resource and quite an undertaking, I'm sure in translating. Oh, it's
1: an incredible undertaking, and in fact, we just have a really wonderful story. Uh, Tom Batsky, who's one of our a retired pastor, who's one of our uh, representatives in Western Michigan, went to uh, one of the Western Michigan circuits and uh, asked them to support the Vietnamese Book of Concord. And uh, it, was, it was really a remarkable uh, response because uh, uh, the pastors and the congregations have really gathered together, and now that book is going to be printed within a month or so in time for the Reformation, uh, because we had a real focus on, on it, in particular, following that Philip Jenkins thesis to get the Book of Concord into Asian languages. And so this one was all these people from Western Michigan, these pastors and parishioners uh, working together to be able to get that book out. And uh, my good friend, uh, Pastor Carl Bassett, who used to support me on the mission field, uh, was... um, I, I think I can share because he shared it publicly with us, and we put it in our newsletter. That he still had some bitter feelings from Vietnam, uh, from mm-hmm. his service there, and he felt that this is something that he needed to bury. And uh, so he he really got behind this project, and 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 has really felt, you know, the Lord blessing this work, and and. We're just thrilled to be able to work with, with local people there and, and to see that they have helped support this project, and even those who served uh, in the military in Vietnam. Uh, now, giving back to the Vietnamese people many, many years later, God's Word. It's a—it's uh, an extraordinary story, and, uh, and and you can multiply that with many different languages, Bahasha in Indonesia, one of the largest Lutheran, uh, churches in the world, um, but without a lot of teaching. And so um, we're happy to get that to book into the language so that pastors and theologians are able to train up a next generation of, of pastors and teachers.
0: Well, what about the, the French language? I saw the, uh, the release right. of the Book of Concord in the French yeah. language. Where was that?
1: that uh that is uh, that's going right now to africa um actually to to western Africa to central you know for example Congo they still speak uh, speak uh, French there and uh and then also to haiti and actually Ted Cray requested some for the Dominican Republic now I was thinking wait you- I I know it's on the other side of Haiti, but he says, no, we actually have French requests here in the Dominican Republic, too. So uh, we're actually going to have some of those French uh, Books of Concord going also to the Dominican Republic, as well as, of course, Haiti.
0: Wow. Speaking of Haiti, tell me a little bit about the the work there. Uh, I read about uh, Pastor Messinelli teaching there.
1: I, You know, I, I... Right now, I I don't know, but Tony Massanelli I think, was a year ahead of me in the seminary, Um, and so uh, I'm I'm not as aware of what he's doing. To be quite honest with you, I know that there are just so many different churches everywhere we go. My my classmate, Tony Bowes, who's pastor of the largest Lutheran church here in uh, Michigan, uh, Faith Lutheran in Troy, Michigan, is, is in Haiti right now. And so they're just everywhere we we, we turn, we find that uh, there are, are groups going to Haiti. And so we're trying to keep up uh, because, quite frankly, I, I can't keep up with all the requests from <laughs> Haiti. And it, it, it's amazing. I mean, throughout uh, Synod, there are just so many people going to Haiti, and they're not all going to the same places. So we oftentimes say, uh, hey, do you know about our resources? And people don't. So we're, you know, we're, we're trying to get things over to them there so that they, they're aware of it. And, of course, in our newsletter coming out Tuesday, we're going to be talking about uh, Reverend uh, Eleona Elion, Bernard, who's the president of Concordia Theological Seminary of Haiti, and uh, how he is waiting, actually, for our shipment of books to come there.
0: We've talked a lot about the books that many adults use. What about uh, the books that are intended more for children? How are those being received?
1: Gratefully. Uh, in fact, actually, we will have a Spanish children's Bible storybook coming out probably in a couple of months. And uh, we're printing maybe about 20,000, which will be a drop in the bucket, but it's normally be well beyond what we, we print in a first printing. Uh, and so that's eagerly anticip- anticipated for South America, Central America, plus, of course, in North America – since so many people are working um, in Hispanic ministry here. But uh, you name it, wherever we go, um, Papua New Guinea, where we had just done uh, some of the children's Bible storybooks, uh, the, the different hill tribes, the Aka speakers in, um, in Thailand and Burma. Um, boy, I'm, I'm, now I'm drawing a blank, but there are just so many different... Actually, we're finishing uh, a, a project now in Farsi, hmm. so that Iranian children... Will also have that and Aromo. Uh, actually, that's going to be our first publication in the Oromo language, the second largest language in Ethiopia, and also for the many Aromo congregations that have kind of drifted over from Elca to LCMS right now, and are colloquizing in their pastors are colloquizing into the LCMS. And so there, there, are, there are about sixteen to twenty congregations um, just of that group of people, and they are predominantly a Muslim people which you don't often think of when you think of Ethiopia. You often think of, of course, uh, the um, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch and Acts 8 and Philip's conversation with him, and Ethiopia being this kind of bastion of Christianity uh, next to Somalia and other Muslim countries. But uh, from what I understand, about 70% of Ethiopia mm. is Christian, so that's still close to 30% Muslim. And uh, the Oromo people, in particular, are Muslims. So, you know, we have that children's Bible story storybook. Uh, our friend and former missionary Bernie Lutz has also done a, a book on guidelines to reaching out to, uh, to Muslims in conjunction with uh, Hisham Shahab in uh, the Chicago area uh, of Lebanese background. And so that is now in Amharic, and we're, going, we're doing that also in Oromo, so that they will be able to, uh, people who, who want to be able to reach out to their Muslim neighbors, be they Aroma Muslims in Ethiopia or in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, will at least have that resource.
0: Would you say the, the request for resources for children is just as great as the, the request for the resources that most adults would use?
1: Yeah, I think it would be greater. Um, you know, uh, the interesting thing is at least with the children's books, we can we we offer them really to everybody. Um, we've had some Baptists from I believe it was North Carolina ask if they could use our books for Vietnam and then we said sure, you know, um and they they paid for it gladly and we said, you know, we we do teach what we believe about uh holy communion and baptism no, that's okay and so all right good we're happy to we're happy to give them <laughs> to you so so oftentimes you know we'll we'll make those resources available to those who are not of lutheran background and uh you know the, the teaching is lutheran uh that that we include in the book there and so uh you know we're we're always happy my my mentor robert kolb always said you know especially with work in russia he said uh you know, the more honest we can make them, the better <laughs> off things are. So, uh, you know, we're we're happy to to do that and share those resources with with those who are really desirous of hearing the word of God.
0: Why? You bring up a good point. Why is that important? To be clear about uh, who we are and what we confess as we provide these resources, even when others from other confessions are requesting them. Why is it important to be clear about what what you believe and what you? teach when providing these resources
1: yeah I th- for me it's always just being honest uh, mm-hmm. you know it, it, I'm, I'm not ashamed of, of the fact that I'm um, in the Lutheran Church and this is why I am I, I don't have to denigrate uh, other denominations in doing that but I also just honestly say this is who I am and this is and, and as people begin to read it there you know for example in Russia we know especially I'm thankful that there, that communism is destroyed and that the Russian Orthodox Church is, is once again functioning. But, uh, you know, for my years there, there's a lot of works righteousness. And we know that can lead you off in, into paths that do not really help promote growth in the faith and, and burden consciences. So, you know, when we have that opportunity to honestly say this is what we believe and share that with people, uh, it's liberating for them to know that, that Christ has done all and that they are justified freely by faith alone in Christ.
0: My guest today, the Rev. Matthew Heisey, Executive Director of Lutheran Heritage Foundation. What's the website, Pastor Heisey?
1: The website is www.lhfmissions.org.
0: Thank you so much for being my guest and sharing the stories of uh, bringing God's Word and resources to people around the world.
1: Thanks for inviting me, Andy.
0: Coming up in just a little bit, thy strong word on the Messenger of Good News.